I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi Olivia and hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Polyester. And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes with a sleepover club one week and obsessions the next. This week it's the obsessions episode where we talk to a person we admire about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income. And next week is the sleepover club where Ioni and I have all those gorgeous conversations you'd usually have at a sleepover with your girlmates. And next week we have a special sleepover club to look forward to oh yeah we do we will not tell you any details yet but you are gonna scream Ah! as in you collectively the listeners not you olivia although maybe you'll (laughs) scream as well (laughs) um so before we get started on obsessions i would just like to encourage everyone to please leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy the podcast it really helps us with the algorithm and stuff and we would love to hear from you amazing and obsession obsession episode i'm not in this obsession oh yeah olivia fucking what's the word abandoned me (laughs) (laughs) olivia is peak finishing a dissertation so yeah i think you owe us an explanation olivia (laughs) (laughs) i just couldn't make it (laughs) that's it that's the simple truth and it's annoying because well actually it is annoying because I really wanted to do it because I love Arlo's work and I loved the topic. But it was also just really great to edit something that I, I... I don't know if I've ever edited an interview that I've not... In fact, with you, I never have edited you. I've not been there. So to make up for your absence, what's your obsession this week? Well, Christmas. I don't want to be too cliche, but it just is. It's what, Christmas. What's Christmas? Christmas. I was saying Christmas, and I thought it was like a kiss. Oh my like the radio kiss. I thought it's like kisses, Christmas radio station Christmas. or something. Oh my like, god! Christmas. This is the most north south divide the country's ever seen. Victoria's <laughs> yeah. decided not to fund us. <laughs> um, okay, Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Well, what I was thinking about it was is that every year I have a putting up my tree ritual with me one of my bezies, Michelle, and she kind of I don't know I think she did this she 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 does a lot she's I've got a lot to be grateful for Michelle for but obviously Christmas is so intense and everyone's like it gets so intense Christmas Day 
And Michelle and I have this thing where anything we do that's Christmassy, we say it's Christmas Day. So, <laughs> like, putting up the tree is Christmas Day. And, like, you randomly go for a drink after work, it's Christmas Day. Or maybe this year you go for a walk outside with a hot drink, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> and it just takes the edge off Christmas Day and it means that you have loads of Christmas Days in December. That's cute. Or if it is still the end of November and you're jumping on it, the end of November. Yeah, when are you doing your tree? Today. Today. Nice. But I love, I, I just, as a, an obsession, I love my Christmas tree because it's got, like, collectibles on it. Mm. Like, really, my mum got a collection of, like, Juicy Couture baubles and, like, everywhere I've been, I get, like, I got um, baubles from Japan and last year I got some, like, really nice Liverpool illustrated ones and one of Anfield. And this year I'm in the market for a Champions of the Premier League but there isn't one so <laughs> no there must be what a Christmas charm I feel like there definitely has there to be is, but it's not a bauble and I like baubles it's like a laser cut medal and then it kind of looks like you've just put a medal on your tree um yeah so mine is Christmas <laughs> <laughs> what's your obsession I only um okay I have loads but basically just because I've been watching loads of TV I'm not in the Christmas mood yet because I'm really worried that if I put my Christmas decorations up before the beginning of December I'm going to get sick of Christmas by the time it's actually Christmas because we can't do all the Christmassy things do you oh, know yeah, I mean? that is true that is true yeah not to put down on your obsession no well some people have put the tree up ages ago I just read online that the first day you can do it is the Sunday before Christmas yeah and I think I'm also true. just busy just I'm, I'm I don't know no, if you I know, think but now's I am in acceptable. A... Yeah. I think now's acceptable because um yeah, so it's a Sunday and like he's got time to do it on Tuesday or a whatever it day, is. Yeah. Plus there's a match on, on Tuesday, so <laughs> priorities. But anyway, my actual obsessions, so I've watched two really great TV shows because that's all my life consists of at the moment. Um one is we are who we are who I interviewed Jordan Seaman who is like one of the main characters on Instagram live last Sunday and it's made me absolutely obsessed with the show because I watched it like obviously before to prep because I'm a professional woman it's so fucking sick would definitely recommend to anyone who wants to watch something that's on iPlayer now and it's just so good <sighs> it's just so good you know and you can't stop that's thinking the, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. that is amazing and then second we're a bit like behind on this one, but we've just watched Succession. Have you watched it? No. Oh my god, Olivia, you have to watch it. I know what I'm really late on this, but so it's basically like a show. It's a like a drama or whatever, like a satirical drama, is how it's described about like a media mogul family. So everyone says it's based on the Murdochs. Wow. But it's just so fucking sick, and like obviously everyone's missing drama and gossip at the moment, and it. Fills that hole so nicely because it's just so, <laughs> it's so drama. Like there's so many gasp out loud moments yeah. in the series, like where you literally did not see things coming, and you're like, "What the fuck? This is the maddest thing I've ever seen on TV." Oh, amazing! I love the drama. We all know it. We all love, love the drama. It's so good. A hundred percent, watch it. Amazing. Okay, that's great about that. Yeah. Uh, so this for this week's obsession, we have Arlo Parks, who is a musician and. A poet, I would definitely say so with their lyrics and yeah, hundred percent. Arlo's amazing. I feel like even though twenty twenty hasn't been anyone's year, it's kind of been Arlo's year. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And like, like yeah, like rightly so, rightly so. I also well, I don't want to give spoilers for the interview, but I just love that we've just done an interview about poetry in and opened opened it up so much. It's just such a good. I mean, 
here it is. Here it, here it comes. I'm a super fan of this interview. Hey, Arlo. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. Um, I've been making some music today, which has been fun. Um, and yeah, just relaxing. Nice, nice. So today we are going to be talking about the beat generation and beat poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that like, I know a bit about, but not a huge amount. So for anyone else who might be in a similar boat to me, do you want to kind of introduce... The Beat Generation, Beat Poetry, but also why it's your obsession. Yeah, so essentially the Beat Poets were a group of poets in America that were around kind of after the Second World War, so kind of 50s and 40s. And the reason why I love them is because they were so free in the way that they wrote and in the topics they approached. They approached topics that were seen as like quite taboo at the time, things like sexuality and drugs and freedom and spirituality. And I discovered them when I was probably about 15 or so. And I think that's that point in your life where, you know, you're feeling a little bit angsty and you want art that is kind of very unconstrained and emotional and instinctive. So, yeah, that's why I love them. So what was the first time or the first moment that you encountered them? And like, what was that experience for you? Yeah, so I encountered them. I'm pretty sure it was just like on YouTube or something. And I just stumbled across this recording, I think, of Allen Ginsberg reading this poem called Howl. And one of the lines, it was something like, at the very beginning, it was like, I've seen some of the best minds of my generation, like, destroyed destroyed by madness. And there were phrases like, like, angel-headed hipsters and the starry dynamo of the night, like, all this very rich language that I'd never heard before. And I think that really sparked my love of poetry because poetry had always been something I'd learned at school being quite, you know, having a specific format um, and having a rhyme scheme. But this was like completely free and wild. So I feel like within our generation, beat poets kind of have this reputation for being something that like soft boys love or soft boys will like quote at you on dating apps to Mm. like make themselves feel in tune with their emotions. Do you think that's kind (laughs) of like a fair stereotype? I mean, I think, you know, I think that doesn't really reflect on like the art itself. I mean, I guess it makes sense in terms of like, you know, it's it's poetry that may be seen as like quite kind of trendy or whatever, especially now. But when I like one of my favorite poems is one called Four Poems for Robin by Gary Snyder. And like when you when you actually read that and you read the kind of the nuance and the And the romance and like the nostalgia of it, it kind of like annoys me that like people just like rip quotes and just like use it for nonsense. But I can imagine that there are a lot of people quoting like Allen Ginsberg or being like, have you heard of Allen Ginsberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose that is a weird thing about social media, right? Because now we see so many quotes, like whether it's from poetry or like prose or even songs taken out of context and then like spread Mm. or like even political speeches that happens a lot as well. Mm. Like, do you think that kind of means that people do misinterpret these artistic movements as they happened? I guess. I mean, I think, you know, people when they're consuming, you know, things that were written 70 years ago, whatever it is now, like I can imagine that. Yeah. The context they're reading it in a different context to that which it was written. So it makes sense that it's kind of interpreted in a different way. And also like social media is very much used for, you know, things like captions or like people just taking one tiny line and using it for like aesthetic reasons. 
I definitely feel like that's something that happens way more often. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if people are enjoying it, then in whatever form it is, then I guess that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, in terms of your own work, how has kind of beat poetry influenced it? Yeah, I mean, I remember reading something that Allen Ginsberg said, like the idea of kind of first thought, best thought and writing off instinct. And that's something that I definitely do. Like when I'm writing, I am just following an impulse. And I try not to kind of overthink or get in the way of myself. And that's definitely something that I've learned. And also the idea of writing, writing about what you're passionate about and not censoring yourself or filtering yourself to be palatable, just kind of trusting your tastes. Yes, palatability is something that we have actually spoken about on the podcast. And I feel like palatability is something, again, with social media, we're all trying to like adhere to more, like to be likeable or to like be understood easily and in Mm. my opinion that can often like water down the messages we're kind of kind of trying to put across but like what do you think about that Mm. yeah I mean I I I think especially in a world where I mean in terms of music especially you know that idea of being commercially viable that idea of becoming famous or whatever I think definitely a lot of people seem to kind of mold their messages to trends and kind of try and slot into what they think other people might like but I definitely think you're right and that's something that we should avoid because it means that like the true message is kind of watered down and when I think about my favorite artists when you think about people like Radio Radiohead or David Bowie or like Jimi Hendrix or whatever like they were very much Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Doing their thing irrespective of what people may have wanted and that's why they're pioneers yeah and in terms of like the beat poets it's like that was like a post-war movement so it came out of this like extreme difficulty obviously but also like a break away from convention in that way Mm. and I suppose it's that thing isn't it that like 
that idea that like hard times fuel great art like do you believe that to be true yeah definitely because I feel like you know as human beings we're always looking for ways of processing things that are happening to us and art is very much something that is I don't know for me personally whenever I'm going through something I'll always write a song about it I think packaging it into something that has like structure and has the potential to help others like such as a song or a poem always really helps me kind of understand the situation better and just get through it so I definitely agree with that and in terms of like anyone who maybe isn't familiar with beat poetry or like who would you just say are like your favorites or some of your favorite pieces and like why they impacted you so much Mm, yeah so I mean as I said before four poems for Robin is by Gary Snyder is probably my favorite just because it's very kind of sensory writing. You know, the, there are these phrases like shivering under rhododendrons or the idea of like a love that he had when he was 19 and whether, you know, the fact that they didn't end up together was, you know, something that was fated or whether he should have held on to the person and it's just very emotive. I really like the poem An Exercise in Love by Deanda Prima. Again, I feel like I gravitate towards the pieces that are kind of, very rich in terms of vocabulary and like for me it's all about making the hyper specific feel universal that's how I try and write my lyrics and I think that's why I've always gravitated towards writers like I don't know like Joan Dinian or like Nabokov like people who really use their senses to create a picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah that's a really good like I really like the way you said that basically (laughs) like making a hyper specific thing universal yeah that's like so interesting. And also another part of like the beat generation is the fact they were called the beat generation. Like it was almost like a subculture. It was like this group Mm. of people that were kind of working under like shared goals or like shared ideas or shared ways of doing things. Um, And I feel like a conversation that kind of has gone around for since the internet basically has been, do subcultures still exist? Do people still like work collectively in this way with each other? Mm. And what do you think about that? I definitely think that there are subcultures and and communities that still exist now. I would say that like I didn't, the way that I make music is like, like collaboration is very important, but I wouldn't say, you know, I'm part of a collective or anything. A collective that really inspired me um, was the 9-8 Collective from West London because they, you know, there were like graphic designers and rappers and producers and they do all just like, collaborate together and have created their own kind of family and I think the beautiful thing about art in general is the fact that you know it's something that's made to be shared and so I think it still exists but maybe in a different way to how it used to like when you think about do you know about like the soul Quarians? like you know like Erica Badu and D'Angelo all making yeah their yeah and like I feel like maybe that kind of thing doesn't happen as much anymore but I'd like to I'd like to see it done more. And also like what you were saying, I suppose about like making hyper specific things universal. It can often be like, no matter what medium you use, really intimidating to put these very like personal feelings, whether it's to page or to lyrics or to a song or to like any form of art. So what, for anyone who maybe is wanting to do that, but doesn't have the confidence, what sort of advice would you have? I feel like, you know, the best art is art that is genuine and vulnerable. And you don't have to, when you're first starting out, you don't have to share anything. Like 
you can write just for yourself. And I think the only way that you get better at writing is by doing it a lot, is by practicing and just kind of honing your craft. I would say, I don't know, I would say like take a look at the books and songs and poems that inspire you and know that they were in your position at some point. Like nobody is born with, nobody is born like an expert and nobody is born like 100% confident. It's something that's built up over time. Yeah, 100%. And like, what would you say are the top three or however many numbers you want to do? I always say three, but I don't know why I do. Things that like the beat poets have kind of taught you or that you've learned from their work. Mm, I think they've definitely instilled like a sense of courage in me in terms of writing about what I care about and starting conversations, even if the topics are uncomfortable. I think they've taught me that like form doesn't really matter. Like poetry could be anything. I think they've also taught me that the art is something that's really important in terms of connecting people. And I also think that they've taught me that like poetry can be playful. Like it doesn't necessarily always need to be serious and weighty. It can just be fun. Yeah, I feel like in school we're kind of taught that poetry is like this thing and we're taught all the different types of poems and like all the specific like rules or whatever but what do you think are like the biggest misunderstandings about poetry I think the I think oh there are so many I mean the fact that it's all just (laughs) kind of old and like inaccessible and that it's only for like really posh people or like people who are like you know English experts I think just the idea of poetry being something that's not for everyone because that's definitely something I felt when I was kind of learning about it especially when you learn about the old old stuff where you feel like you can't really connect to it Mm -hmm. I think the idea of poetry being something that's not for everyone is the biggest misconception that I want to kind of uh that I want to deconstruct because For me, poetry has been something that I've done since I was quite young and I try and kind of write in a way that isn't opaque and that everyone can get something from. I do think that is like a huge thing, like poetry. It's it's a weird thing that something that is so like aligned with emotion can also feel so like deeply inaccessible, whether that's for reasons of like class or education or whatever. But I suppose this is like a really big question, but like, why do you think it has that reputation of being so like impenetrable or just like difficult to do or start doing? Hmm. I think probably because of the way that it's taught, like the first poems you're introduced to will, I guess, like shape your view of what poetry is in general. And if you're learning like 15th century poems, then it's going to feel quite impenetrable. But you know, if you're introduced to, I don't know, like Patti Smith's poetry or something, like you're going to have a different view of what it is. So I think it's about those first initial kind of introductions of poetry into people's lives. And do you think we're like overdue another kind of big poetry pop culture moment? Like Lana Del Rey (laughs) just put out a book of poetry, right? But it feels like it's been a long time, like since there's been like widespread cultural recognition in the mainstream for poetry. Yeah, I mean, we had that, like, I think they, they kind of did, like, there was that kind of Instagram poetry movement with, like, Rupi Kaur. Yeah. Um, that was recent. 
I think I definitely think it's that feels like 20 years ago even though it's only like four years ago I know and like I think we'll see I definitely think that like it's something that especially on social media is being shared more and more people are doing it um but you know we'll see I feel like with these trends you can never really predict it right but I hope so That was great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I just love that interview. I love what they said about like how you learn poetry in school, and then we just then I'm just like how you learn everything in school is such trash. Oh my god, I know there was like okay, classic me. There's like a Twitter quote thread thing going around, (laughs) being like, oh, which I suppose like critically not critically acclaimed, but like which hyped book is like worthy of the hype or whatever. Yeah. And loads of people are saying ones that we had to read in school because it's like when you read it in school, you're kind of like, uh, reading this in school, like, I don't want to learn about it. And then maybe when you revisit those things in adulthood, you can actually appreciate them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I suppose like the pressure of having to learn. I, thought, did you, I feel like you were going to keep going with that. No, I was just going to say like, because <laughs> I feel like, yeah, with the school thing, it's like the pressure of having to learn anything kind of takes the joy out of it. Like, in a, if it's a formulaic way of things, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember when I, I was in Germany and I was teaching English to this great, amazing student. And she was, like, doing a, the equivalent of her A-levels, but basically GCSE English, even though it was her third language. Anyway, and we were doing The Great Gatsby, and I was like, don't you just love it? And she was just like, no. <laughs> no. Like, <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely not. It's horrible. And I was like, isn't Daisy just like the worst woman ever? Isn't it great that she's an absolute villain? And she was just <laughs> obviously like, no, I hate it. <laughs> oh, no. That's the most disappointing thing as well, isn't it? It's like when you recommend someone a film or a TV show, and then they watch it, and they're like, I don't like it. And you're like, Hi. Yeah, yeah. How did it not resonate with your soul <laughs> on such a deep level? You realised that you were alive for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, books are great, aren't they? <laughs> books are great. Poems are great. Christmas is great. <laughs> I can't believe you say Christmas. It's absolutely. I said Christmas. I literally no, fully said Christmas. You're saying Christmas. I'm literally not. <laughs> it's discrimination against scouts, is that? Hey, I'm not saying it's rude. I'm just saying it's absolutely bananas that you say. (laughs) Absolutely bananas. Yeah. What is this? That. My mum podcaster. She called me up and was like, "Why are you dropping your T's and your S's?" I was like, "Oh my god, leave me alone." That's amazing. (laughs) Well, anyway, thanks, Ioni. Another day of being absolutely ripped to death by you. No, I like it, but I just think it's cute. Like it's Christmas, like getting it's Christmas. <laughs> Happy Merry Christmas. Merry ah, Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> no, because we don't believe in Christ anyway, so you can call it yeah. Christmas if you want. Christmas. I'm literally, but the thing is, I'm not falling. Like, I'm not doing a rebrand. I know. I'm winding you up. <laughs> okay, right. It's so I'm almost lost my cool there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, love you, Ione. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The review's going to be like, these girls talk about Christmas way too much for a podcast that came out in November. (laughs) Okay, and thank you to Clarissa and Naya, and also happy birthday to Clarissa, because it was... Happy birthday, Clarissa. Yesterday. 
Um, thank you to Gina and Gina and Carlin and Hattie and Camille. And thank you, Arlo. And thank you to Arlo. Bye. Bye.